When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guests in this episode of the podcast, because I'm delighted to say that we have guests multiple, because I'm welcoming two guests in this episode. They are Terry Barber and Andrew Glover. Terry, long-time listeners will know, has been on the show before, and it's Andrew's first time, and they both introduce themselves when we kick off, but Terry is the Director of Makeup Artistry at MAC, and Andrew is an incredible entertainer, but I'll let them tell you exactly what it is that they do, and why Terry's so reluctant to lean into icon status, although I do believe he occupies that space. And I know both Terry and Andrew through Mac, who I've worked with in my role as a beauty writer for nearly 20 years. Um, And it was in a conversation, actually, I was chatting to the guys over at Mac recently, and it's that conversation that led to this podcast. Mac is so well known for standing for all ages, all races, all genders since its creation. And their mission statement actually reads, our purpose goes beyond the products we develop to the communities we serve and the planet we live in. Join us in our ambition to drive impact, promote acceptance and inspire change toward a better future. And it's LGBTQIA plus month. And we were discussing the fact that there has been so much progress. I even just in in my lifetime, I can think about the amount of progress that community has made. And especially in terms of acceptance and cultural shifts. But I now am in this space where I feel as though it's possible to fall behind. And I like to think I'm an ally, that I'm supportive of the LGBTQIA plus community. But the truth is, my knowledge is, is lacking now didn't used to but it's lacking now and I'm not really sure how to keep up and if I'm not keeping up am I actually working against the community that I really want to support so I asked Terry and Andrew who have very different perspectives on the same community to come on the show and talk about how we can keep the conversation moving without leaving anyone behind all the links to Terry and Andrew will be in the show notes but I'm excited for I'm excited to have had this conversation on the show and I really hope you enjoy it. So please do join me in welcoming Terry Barber and Andrew Glover onto The Emma Gunn Show. 
Hello, hi, and welcome to a very special episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and boy, do I have two fantastic guests today. First of all, he's been on the show before, but he is back. Terry Barber, Director of Makeup Artistry at MAC, an iconic makeup artist. I'm sorry, artist. that's such a grand title. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and you told me that before we started recording, but I still said it in full anyway. But you're a makeup icon as far as I'm concerned. Thank you very much. I don't see myself as an icon. I'm just a working makeup artist, but thanks very much anyway. I know. A compliment accepted. I'm going to take that as. <laughs> and also new to the podcast, we have Andrew Glover. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. So we are... Having a conversation because right now it is Mac LGBTQIA plus history month. And it struck me recently that this is a conversation that is now more complicated than perhaps it has been in the past. There is so much evolution in the space of LGBTQIA plus, even to the point that when I was growing up, it was just LGBT, I think. Yeah, and even true, that was yeah. sort of whispered. Mm. Um, and now it's evolved at such a pace. And personally, I worry that by not staying up to date, I am becoming part of a problem that I detest. So what we want to try and do is talk about what's really happening, what the right and appropriate things are to be aware of, and how we can essentially um, take the sting out of it a little bit. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of fear, like, you know, in the how people think about terminology and how people think about people's titles. There's a lot of fear. Yeah. I, th I think people just really need to relax with it. Exactly. They? Like there's no, you know, it, it's all a conversation. Everything is always a conversation. Like if you don't listen, then you can't learn. Exactly. You know, and yeah. it's asking questions. It's like questions are, are there to be asked, you know, but it's, it's all gaining knowledge. You know, there's, there's no, there's, there's no real right, right or wrong until you're told this is what I prefer to be called this is wrong and this is right to me which is which what everyone should be asked you know mm -hmm. and I don't think you should seek acceptance with fear I mean that to me is important you know people people shouldn't be threatened and people shouldn't be scared it's just as you said Andrew listening yeah mm -hmm. you know accepting and going from there basically you know until terminology becomes the norm I think that's what the thing to work towards is just making everybody feel comfortable in the society that they live in yeah. you know with the identity that they want and their identity be seen as the norm yeah I yeah. mean even I think for uh, for myself anyway you know uh, growing up and being in the community it, it's even a learning thing for me too you know the the uh, gender terminology and and um has uh, has been a conversation in within the community more so recently as as well because with me my growing growing up in in Ireland that was it was so the the thing you mostly talked about whether you were straight or gay there was no gender conversation so even now for me it, it everything is a learning thing and I I really enjoy learning about it I think you have to it, it's about enjoying learning about it the way yeah. you would learn about anything else uh, you know because for some people it is completely you know ground zero you're learning from scratch whereas for us you know we really already know people within the community or trans or you know non-binary so as long as you're open to finding out and mm -hmm. open to receiving the message then 
that's that's the first point, you know, to cover from. And enjoy it. It's not that scary. It. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun people fun. <laughs> um well i alluded there in the introduction a little bit about this idea of it going from being hidden to now being incredibly mainstream so maybe mm. we can speak terry to your experience because uh i don't want to speak for you i'll let you tell your story yeah. but i'm guessing there have been times in your life where maybe you wouldn't have wanted to say what your own personal yeah especially were. in school i think i mean i went to i come from a small country town south wales went to kind of pretty rough comprehensive school mm-hmm. and like i really would never express being gay at school simply from the point of view of safety yeah i mean i knew i was i never had a coming out moment because i was never in mm-hmm. um but in terms of verbalizing it or expressing it um, it's only when I left school and went to art school where everybody was something flamboyant. Yeah. And it opened up a whole new um, life for me. The realisation that the realization. you're not the only one. And, uh, but also, but I guess at that time, for me, it was slightly different because when I was growing up, it was also the post-punk generation. So everybody was pretty flamboyant yeah, yeah, at the yeah. time anyway, whether they were gay or whether they were straight. Right. You know, like the famously the Blitz Club in yeah, London. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. At the end of the 70s, there was as many straight boys in there in a frilly shirt and a full face of makeup as there was, you know, gay people. And so that wasn't they, anything like that. You no, know what I mean? That wasn't, and that was just their choice to to to, to dress like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they weren't, they weren't specifically looking to go to somewhere uh, that was homes, uh, gay or anything like that. It was about going somewhere to find your people, just yeah. to, you know. The fellow freaks. The fellow freaks, darling. You know, yeah, because I guess, especially London at the time, or other big cities, that you know, there was just a whole underground culture. So, and you, that was like your family, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess it still is. It's still, it still was very much, it seemed goes really, yeah. for, for me, like the likes of Sing to Pink, you know, yeah. that's whenever I came to London, that's where I really find my... My my fellow freaks yeah. and, and people, you know, like that's where you you go to find your family and those yeah. sort of things that, that you're um your fine family. Yeah, I mean, not not every person who is gay undergoes this sort of transformation and beca- no. you know they don't necessarily dress up and go to clubs and be part of the underground scene. But I think, as you said, you know, it's kind of finding your people, isn't it? And finding oh. your family, finding your place. Yeah, family does not mean blood. Do you know what I mean? It, it really is about who, you, you, who your kindred spirit is, really. Yeah. Who, who really you have the same mind as, uh, you know. And that goes, that goes for anybody, whether you're, whether you're straight, gay, bi, whatever, whatever, you know, um, situation you're in. Yeah. You said something there about, Uh, art school and actually it reminded me of the conversation we've had previously where it was was it a case that you weren't necessarily able to express yourself like you said a minute ago I think you hid the fact that you were in school definitely probably more for safety than anything else yeah but art was a way where you were able to express yourself authentically that you just couldn't do I have a friend who told me that from the age of six he would be sitting down at a party like a birthday party Mm -hmm. imagine past the parcel and he would uncross his legs because subconsciously he'd be thinking, yeah, yeah. I don't want anyone to think the thing about me that I think I know to be true, but I don't want them to know it. Like It, it, it was very tangled and very emotional. Yeah. I mean, you, you spend a certain part of your childhood hiding certain things, like whether it's, you know, things which are conceived to be effeminate. 
but you know, but then you just get, you always have a moment in your life when you're thinking, well, I'm just now going to be myself. Usually when you find your people. There has to come a time where you just have to let loose and actually be you because harboring all that, it just destroys a person completely. You know what I mean? Like keeping, keeping anything in is just going to crumble your soul really, you know? And so when you do find those people, it just is so liberating and so yeah. it, it's like that aha moment to like you know it's like a sigh of relief just so like you can just be you and be as a you don't it's not about any, anything but being your own authentic self mm-hmm. and I think that's very much about the individual story but one thing I keep coming back to and I guess uh, Terry and I might have a similar perspective on this and it's one of the reasons why you're in the room Andrew hopefully Mm -hmm. to help educate me because I realise that having tried to be plugged in for a long time and an ally Mm -hmm. and supportive and embrace anybody who wanted to live their truth my vocabulary is actually quite quickly becoming out of date and I I'm at risk of offending people, even though I don't want to. And just to give... Listen, so am I, and I'm still part of the community. (laughs) So, you know, don't treat this as a thing that's something to be scared about or fearful of or embarrassed by. Not at all. It's nothing to be feared at all. You know, as I say, everything is a conversation. Everything is a question. Like, if you don't get questions, if you don't ask questions, you don't get answers. And it's not something invasive that you're asking. It's actually being more polite, really, Mm -hmm. to ask somebody what their pronoun is. Maybe not what their gender is. That's not really, you know, a question. It's not about what's... And there's too many grey areas there anyway. There's too many grey areas there. Yeah, exactly. Explain that. Do you mind me just asking you, is that because you're essentially asking about a physical part of the body rather exactly, than about yeah, identity. Exactly, because, you know, your sex is what you're what you're born as, but your gender is is, is who you are. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those, it's a really interesting fact, actually, and it wasn't until the, we now as people would say, well, in the, in the normative world, that when a baby is born, a, a boy is blue and a girl is pink. But in the 50s, it was actually the opposite way around. That was a social construct, you know, that was something that was changed by society. So that, you know, that's, that's already a conversation there. It'd be like, that's already a social construct put in mm-hmm. place to tell us what is, what is what and who is who, you know. So uh, sex is what is your, um, your sexual organs, but your gender is who you are as a person. That does not, that does not be, I mean, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just say as well with my terminology coming from the generation, everybody was she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life, <laughs> but even life when was I grew a, up too, everything it's still now for me. Still now, nice yeah. Life was so much easier, and everybody was she. <laughs> Celine, honestly, just say Celine for yeah, everybody. Honestly, the amount of time I remember when I first started in the media and I'd go backstage at shows and somebody would do a huff or a puff about something and a man would say about a man oh she's in a mood oh, yeah. and I would, I thought it was the most fabulous thing ever yeah. here she is what's she wearing yeah. <laughs> but now I and I understand that that might upset people yes yeah, yeah totally that is that is a part, even for me you know working with Sing to Pink and working with a lot of different performers a lot of um, uh, people that, that are sure themselves and uh, and that have been told by other people. So it is, It's uh, for me, it's just being polite and being correct as well, you know, because I do the last thing on my mind as well, 
even as a queer person, I don't want to offend anybody. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially my own community, you know? So um, that's why I will always ask somebody just outright, what would your preferred pronoun on and off stage? That it goes by performer, speaking from me, oh, yeah. as somebody that books performers. Um, because it can be different for when, uh, as for me, uh, right now I am he, him. But when I'm in my drag persona, I prefer she, her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and that can almost confuse people. Um, but again, it's just, uh, I, I personally would not get offended if somebody said a different pronoun to me. But there are people that that, that it could upset, you know, because it is, it's a gender dysphoria thing and it is in a mindset and it's also just like, if it is for certain people, it is a character as well. So you're taking it out of the illusion of 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 the performance. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's already just a respect yeah. thing as well, isn't it? And I think it's just about, it's about putting in the effort. Yes. I think. So, you know, it's not trying to sort of like pass it off as just something political or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like put in the effort make the mistake if you're corrected then just go you know yeah. try and correct no it there's no handbook as well do you know what I mean it's not as if there's a handbook to well, say well you say that I well, found one I'm... online <laughs> really <laughs> I've printed out all the things and I it's basically like what not to say and what to say and I was reading it on the train this morning and my heart was sinking because I was in the red column of things that you shouldn't say right I think I find that more of a humanistic thing like it's a conversation thing as opposed to a handbook it's to what would you see as right or wrong as a normal per- uh, sorry, uh, excuse me not a normal person but as a human being, mm-hmm. what would you feel as a correct? Do you feel would this be offensive to ask? You know, for me, for me, the the, the ones that are in the red column, I just see it as that's not what you wouldn't ask. Obviously, everyone is different, and you know, everyone comes from a different background. And I do honestly believe as well, it is a generational thing of like who who you're brought up with or, you know, it's pa- things are passed down. Mm-hmm. So it's just a trait that is picked up. Um, but as this handbook might tell us. Well, I'm going to read you one that I... Um, that, that <laughs> really is it from? This is from GLAD in the US. Okay. Um, and this is things like terms to avoid and how to use them correctly. And let me have a look at what was the... Um, homosexual is a term to avoid. I didn't know that. It's fake. It's very <laughs> clinical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then there was one basically about um, coming out. And it was like the way that you express it could imply deception previously and therefore it's offensive. And I hadn't even considered those things. And I think it speaks to what you were saying about be open to learning and mm. asking the questions. Mm. But let's just address the elephant in the room. We live in a time of cancel culture. You make one yes. mistake and you can get cancelled. Absolutely. And even if you are trying your best. Yeah. Have you seen that happen? I, I've seen it within my own community. I think, like, especially in the performer community, you know, and that is why everything is always a conversation and never, you know, you always want to listen. And if somebody asks you to to use a certain pronoun or a certain, um, whatever that person prefers to be, to be referred as, as long as you're paying attention and you are reciprocating in that conversation um i i don't see where where it can go wrong if you're you know shouting at somebody or you know misgendering or you know if you're making it a point blank Mm -hmm. situation that is offending somebody 
that's where you're going to go wrong, you know? Let's also talk about the fact that there are potentially people out there who just don't understand and they think, oh, this non-binary stuff, it's mm. not real. Because I don't think like Well, that. it's not my, maybe not real to them, but it's real to a whole exactly. lot of people. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because I always try to think about the... How could you change the mind of the person who's so closed off? And so I want to kind of address, I mean, have you ever come across that? And have you ever found any ways through that? Have you ever come up against someone who's felt like a brick wall when it comes to their ability to accept and you've been able to make any kind of strides there? Yeah, I mean, I just came from a generation where we just wanted to piss those people off anyway. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we were the post-punk generation. We did everything to, like, shock people. You know, I, I, I have an interesting upbringing especially when I, you know, I went to art school and discovered dressing up and being really flamboyant, my entry-level exhibitionism. Yes, yeah. I just, was it haberdashery? Yeah. It was just lots of kind of girls' clothes, which fitted me at the time, you know. Yeah, oh, I've been and there. <laughs> lots of kind of homemade outfits yeah. and copying, like, Judy Blame pictures from the Face magazine and stuff like that to go out to clubs. But I guess we wanted to kind of annoy people a little bit. We wanted to be disruptive. We wanted to blur lines. Mm. Um, there was a little bit of a punk attitude to it. But I think what we're talking about today is different because it's it's people it's people's lives. Yep. For yep. us, it was going out to clubs mm-hmm. and listening to music and dressing like your music mm-hmm. and just going out and going, yeah, you don't like the way I look, I don't care. Yeah. Whereas now we're talking about people's existences, which is different. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think if people are unwilling to term someone in the way that they wish to be termed, it's not they have the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is not the person giving the term that has the problem. It's the person receiving the term has the problem if they won't use it. And I've always felt that way. I'm like, it's their problem, not mine. And it's like they just want me to carry on being a misfit or an outcast. Um, But I'm quite happy in my world. Thanks very much. They're they're also not opening the door to learn and and enjoy, like, life itself. If they're not willing to learn about that what else are they not willing to learn about yeah. do you know what I mean what what else are they not broadening broadening their mind open to you know that's that that's the real issue there you know it's it's them that's locking themselves in, in their own little cupboard. yeah I, I just feel it's their problem yeah mm. yeah a minute ago you Andrew used the word queer mm-hmm. and the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I was in a situation with uh, Michelle Visage, in fact, when she came on the podcast. Mm. She used the word queer when she was talking about something. And then in responding to her, I repeated what she had said. And I sort of realised, uh, metaphorically, I was sort of choking on the word yeah. and I couldn't yeah. figure out why. And it was an interview situation. I was obviously desperate to impress Michelle Visage. And so I continued. And it wasn't until I listened back, I thought, that word's never come out of my mouth before mm. because I... It's slander. It was was, was slander. I was called that a lot. I was called that a lot. I was called that too. Yeah. Yeah. And And poof Many other things. Puff, yeah. (laughs) Poof. Puff always sounded quite soft and attractive. I was always just like... Sounded like a carry-on film. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's one of those terms that, you know, the community owned, Mm -hmm. took back, owned, and kind of sent it back out, reformed. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect way of putting it, isn't it? Yes. And... Okay, so when you were in the punk clubs and you yeah. were out on a night yeah. out annoying people and enjoying the process, yeah. making strides as well, because I guess in central London back in the day, that would have been, you would have been ahead of the curve in terms of the, 
the people that you were rolling with. Did you think, right, in how many years' time, this is where the conversation's going to get to? This is how the world will have changed? No, and I think it's one of the best things I've seen in this century so far. The people's attitude to gender and... You know, and that gender has so many levels. Mm-hmm. Sexuality has so many levels. And the fact that it's been explored and it's being defied, mm-hmm. I think is just one of the most amazing things about this century. I really do. The human mind is wild. Yeah. You know, and that's really where it comes down to is we are, we are all human. We all have the, we're all born with a, with a, with a mind, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, it's what's in your, what's in your heart and what's in your mind. It's not what it's, your body is not what it's about. Mm. No. If you were able to, uh, if somebody sat in front of you and said, I just don't get it, it's he or she and that's it, this is all nonsense, where would you begin? Where would you direct them to? Is there anything you would say? And I know that it's quite nice to sometimes annoy those people and make a lot of noise and defy them. But if we're trying to, the conversation's moving so quickly. Yeah that we want people to be able to keep up. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Yeah, those people. Dave down the pub. (laughs) (laughs) Dave and Steve having a pint. Um, (laughs) I mean, look, there is great, uh, there are amazing people out there, people that uh, we all know personally Mm -hmm. that are in our community that are amazing spokespeople to go to follow and listen and who have written on the the subject. Um, Tom Rasmussen, um, Rhiannon Styles has a book, the the new girl who is a, a trans woman. Um, uh, Monroe Burdorf, a amazing activist and speaker, mm-hmm. uh, a, a trans black woman. Travis Alabanza. Um, there is. I saw him on Saturday night. Yeah, like so, you know, there are a lot of. I just misgendered him. I just misgendered Travis, didn't I? See, okay, this is what I'm yeah. talking about. So. Um, I was telling listeners, I was telling Andrew and Terry that before I uh, we started the show that I interviewed somebody a little while ago on a panel who identifies as them, they. Mm-hmm. And I spent two days prior, like I didn't sleep for two nights because I was so worried about misgendering them. Yeah, And I don't think I did. But the reflex for me to say him mm-hmm. is like telling me to to use up when I mean down in that, it doesn't happen smoothly, even though I really want it to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I am trying, but just you saw then how... Yeah. I mean, also, when if it is coming to that in your head, you can just use their name. Mm-hmm. If you don't know their pronoun and don't want to offend, you could just repeat their name because their name is their name. That's, that's not a gender situation mm-hmm. or a pronoun situation. That is what they prefer to be called as. So, uh, you know, that's their actual name. So maybe just if you, uh, it, it, maybe if it only comes into context and then if you are with that person or in, in a conversation, I'm sorry, what, uh, Travis, what is their, uh, what is their um, pronoun again? Mm-hmm. You know? I'm just remembering their comedy routine. It was actually very funny. So I'm going to... Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they're incredible. They're an incredible performer. Um, had the Palladium <laughs> on fire on Saturday night. Right. Um, I tell you what I am interested to know. What are what is the community still fighting for? Is there still a fight going on? Oh, I absolutely. But uh, I don't know if you've seen Terry, but the trans girl that was just spat on on the tube, Charlie. The, the, Charlie, exactly. Like you know, as many as much as 
their camp had signs and stuff. This is obviously one example. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can stick as many rainbows and as signs up that, but if no one is there to actually do anything or, or say anything. And the guy in Trafalgar Square waiting for the night bus and getting attacked, I saw on the news. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, no. Waiting for the night bus, which was basically me like 35 years ago. Right. I'm like being threatened at the night bus stopping Trafalgar Square. Things haven't really changed. No. Like that's kind of, you know, Thatcher's Britain material. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I think things go in cycles. You get a lot of acceptance, but there's just a kind of moment in time when things go backwards. Yeah. I think it always has to be an ongoing fight. It has to be an ongoing yeah. thing. Like um, uh, last summer, the in Parliament, they were debating some trans, trans rights and... Um, uh, our friend Danny St. James started an organisation called Not A Phase. Out of it, they were trying to, for, uh, especially affected young trans people. Um, and Danny has done an incredible job of, at the forefront of of activism for for this. And it's something to, to, to really look into and to listen to because there's things, all bills that are trying to be passed in Parliament that... A lot of people can't say yes or no to. You know, they can't vote, vote against. It's it's somebody else that that are not in that community at all mm-hmm. voting for, mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to take rights away from people that are human. You know, so it, the 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 fight is definitely not over yet. Mm-hmm. I think unfortunately, you, I think you mentioned Terry about progress, and I think a few years ago, let's just call it what it was, two what two thousand and sixteen, when it felt like so much progress had been made and then there was a significant change in 2016 where the person who operates the highest seat of power in the world uh, it was somebody who had quite an intolerant rhetoric and narrative and that spread like wildfire you can think it's we've been as progressive as we have been for so many years all I'd ever known in my life was progress and then all of a sudden something like that happens. And you think, I mean, I know it's such a silly example, but I remember first series of RuPaul's Drag Race was so hard to watch. You'd have to really strive to find it. It'd be on at three o'clock in the morning. Mm. Now it's mainstream. Yeah. And that was the, that was the had always been the arc I had known in terms of these things. It's just progress, progress, progress. And then something happens and you're right, it's derailed. And you realise that while that progress might have been made, running in parallel to that, there is a hate against it. And I just don't think we'd really seen for a long time yeah. that hate. No, I just I sometimes think, have we come... It seems like there's a lot on the surface which looks as though things have gone quite far, but underneath there's always a kind of core of resistance, isn't yeah. there? Mm-hmm. You know, and those those cores of people can have a lot of influence on other people. Mm. I think that's what happened at the moment. So I don't think there's any a time when, you know, the fight for equality or the fight for acceptance can let down its guard. I mean, it always has to be there. It always has to be advancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't ever get complacent. Can't let your guard down, no. no. <clears throat> that's really no. interesting. I mean, and also sometimes, you know, we live in central London. We're in the bubble of the big city. Exactly. For people who maybe live in the provinces, it's kind of a whole different story. Yeah. I mean, you and I probably were country kids that moved to oh, the city. We migrated to the city exactly. when we were young Flew in order that we could be 
indulge in our fabulous freakery. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, even when I go back, even when I go back home now, you know, still home being Northern Ireland and Belfast, um, it's only really. I can only really see change in the past five years of, mm-hmm. of that you can walk down the street and hold hands. But I mean, it's the same in Northern Ireland. The, the, the fact of, it wasn't until 2019 that abortion became legal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it just shows you that equality, it's across, it's across the board, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that it, the, the fight will never then there will always be something to fight for. And there will always be people that fear differences. Exactly. They fear anything that's different to themselves. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's happened since time. Mm-hmm. And it still exists now. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what this podcast hopefully is trying to do is trying to reach people who want to continue to be supportive mm-hmm. and like I said I'm a 44 year old woman and I realize now that I'm doing things like misgendering an incredible comedian who I watched the other night mm-hmm. by accident mm-hmm. but I, I don't want to do that but I realize that I'm not staying up to date enough and I need to put in some more work because there's no point being plugged in and being accepting and open and celebrating mm-hmm. people if fundamentally my other there are other behaviors I'm exhibiting that are contributing to the problem kind mm-hmm. of I don't want to I don't want to be that contribution to yeah. the conversation I mean there's you know there's so many charities and things out there to 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 reach out to and to look into like Mermaids who's a young trans charity not a phase as I said Danny and James um, charity uh, Opening Doors is actually uh, a charity that supports older um uh, queer people so it's you know the conversation just isn't about the the young it's also about the old because the old uh, the older generation were the forefront of people they're you know they fought for our rights so we also have to look after them and look back you know we were pretty brave as well yeah <laughs> standing at the forefront of it darling <laughs> taking that high street in my home country town in a full face in broad daylight yeah. with my mother trying to drag me back in the house did was it always about the reaction? Did yeah. you want a reaction, even yeah. if it was a bad one? Yeah, and I knew it would be bad, but I was so kind of like it was. It was in my soul, mm. Mm. you know. I had to come out to yeah, and you know, I mean, things that I saw on TV which triggered it, like watching the Naked Civil Servant, you know, yes. the Quentin Crisp film for the first time ever, yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show, <sighs> yeah, seeing Bowie. For my, Boy George on yeah. top of the pops for the first time. Oh the Bronsky beat Small Town Boy song, which was like a autobiography of my childhood. Um, it just kind of triggers this kind of. It bubbles it all up. Bubbles it all you just, up inside. You just see something, and it just like that. That is, you just migrate towards. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, I um, I did kind of cropper though. I did get badly queer bashed at one point. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. I, did. What, 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 I was what quite cocky. What age was that? Um, I was late teens, early 20s. I in think. London, or was this? In, it was in my hometown. In and hometown. I went to the local pub in full bondage trousers, full Boy George face, uh-huh. and got a little bit too relaxed and came a cropper at the end of the evening. 
When you say came a cropper, do you mean you got a kicking? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, front teeth out through my lip, lip hanging off. And was anything done about it? No, I didn't go to the police. You didn't go to the police? At the time. I felt too threatened. Mm. I thought they were going to get me out because it was a small town. Mm. They'd probably place the blame on you, to be honest. Yeah. You You provocateur. Yeah. 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 I was actually more worried about the blood on my bondage trousers. I was about to say, what about the clothes? Exactly. That was my first thought, actually. (laughs) Did it make them um, ruin the makeup? <laughs> actually, that was surprisingly that's okay, even when they were sewing my lip back that's on. That's why she's there. Oh my goodness. The head witch in charge. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm going to ask you, Terry, because I was jokingly, but not really jokingly, referred to you as a makeup artist icon earlier. I would imagine that you've met... Awkward. Ma- <laughs> awkward. It's, not, it's not a joke in my book. <laughs> no, I know. But, um, you know, he, he's not He's not the type to um, embrace that and wear no. on a T-shirt and Terry Marber icon. We're going to put that hat Let's on. Let's make that T-shirt <laughs> yeah, for him, exactly. Um, I'm imagining that over the years you have mentored people who... You came from a small town, came yeah. to London, and I'm guessing that you've had people work for you who had similar stories of coming from small towns, weren't accepted, felt confused, were looking for their people... What have you mentored, and what's been the what's been the most rewarding thing about that? And what's what have you learned from mentoring others? Well, you know, I mean, also getting a job at Mac, mm-hmm. you know, which I got in the nineties. You know, and it was the one brand that took in. They were they were the outcasts, the yeah. misfits, the mm-hmm. you know, the club kids. Yeah. To have kids who would never got a yeah, the Viva Mac kids who would never get a job at any other makeup counter got a job at Mac because they just they were creative because they were talented yeah so you know and 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 I think Mac to this day is still like a safe place for the community yeah I I totally agree with that yeah I think it is um, and so I'm being part of that whole kind of Mac family for a long time. It always felt quite tight, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, new people would come in and... So was that small town to London story something that you saw over and over again? Has, has the oh, tone yeah. of that changed over the years? No, I don't think so in particular. It still sounds like a Bronski beat song to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, packing everything you own in a little case and jumping on the train. Great song. Um, yeah, it's a great song. It's a great song. I mean, we saw it in the, you know, It's a Sin... Oh, yeah, that was a great, great show. That was a great show. Yeah. They a- were slightly more wholesome and healthy looking than we actually were in the eighties, <laughs> really. But and slightly had slightly more kind of gym type bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas you but, all had the bodies of whippets back in yeah, the day. Yeah, whippets and like malnourished <laughs> and but dressed in like finery. Um, but I thought it was great. It was a great story. It was really beautiful, and yeah. I think for for me, it shone a light on what people went through that at a time when it was still kind of something clandestine or yeah. something, mm-hmm. that actually I hope for the people who did go through that, mm-hmm. yeah. which is essentially like their own COVID. Yeah. yeah. I hope that it validated the pain that they kind of, they had to suppress in many ways. Cause I'm sure that back then they weren't getting compassion. Mm-hmm. No, for no, none. the situation. No, no, I mean, that was, I mean, that was tough at the time because also, you know, when the AIDS epidemic would have, as it height, it was considered a gay plague, mm-hmm. you know, and and there were a lot of people that said, you know, that it was deserved, do you know what I mean, in the press. Um, 
Yeah, those those dark I mean, times. Still, it still has a stigma of being a, 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 gay, a disease. gay disease. Yeah. Even though right now it's a higher percentage of of heterosexuals that actually are living, um, you know, are being diagnosed every day. And I think one of the biggest things I see, but I don't sort of see it played out as a huge story, is the fact that it's something that you can very easily live with now. Yes. Absolutely. It can be medicated because yeah. we've obviously had decades now, what was it, mid-80s, mm. of, of the virus. Mm-hmm. And so they figured out a way at all the different types of strains. Mm. I remember um, being at school and I was obsessed with reality TV, even back then. And the real world, San Francisco, with this guy, Pedro Zamora. And he was 26 years old. And that was, I wasn't a club kid. I wasn't allowed out. (laughs) So before I got to London, I was so passionately, oh my goodness, we've got to do something about this. And Mm. we've got to support these people because it was very much kind of, you realize that, obviously it wasn't, it's a sin, but you just realize that they were really going through something Mm. horrendous. And there wasn't the support out there. No. I mean, even the conversation of of sex is such a taboo subject in the UK. And I mean, it's not really widely known, but there is a drug now, PrEP, that is that is widely available to everyone. People associate it with it being that only only queer people take or gay people take it. But it's it's a pill for everyone to take and it mm-hmm. keeps you, you know what I mean? That is... It's it's proven to to uh, lower the uh, viral load. Viral load exactly. So you, the, it, just even that is a conversation in itself that needs to be opened up and spoken about because mm-hmm. it doesn't need to. There's not a circle around it saying that it's just for certain yeah. people. It's for everyone. It's for the safety of everyone. You mm-hmm. know. Now I asked Terry about being a mentor. So Andrew, I'm curious. Have you been mentored? By the way, when I mentor, I usually treat quite a lot of bad habits along with the good stuff. <laughs> I have no doubt. I've seen those lines. Here's how to, have, here's how to have an attitude about things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> here's what well, to say no to. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, budget to say exactly. no to. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, I always like to teach people to sort of just feel quite free, really. I think that's the best. I feel thing com- okay, you know, and confidence, not that. through o- not through overconfidence, but just self confidence. And I'm no guru over that, for God's sake. But you know, um, well, you have to have. You definitely have to have an air of confidence in life. I feel quite an affinity know. with the minds of young people because as <laughs> I've got older, like I'm 57 now, I still have the same brain as I did when I was 18. I still have the same mentality. Mm-hmm. I don't have the body that's allowed me to do the same things. But Sorry, Donna's darling. <laughs> you know, once you're a, once you're an exhibitionist, always an exhibitionist, even if you don't look like one, yeah. you're still one in your head. But you know what is interesting about you? You're talking about teaching people to be free and teaching people yeah. to be self-confidence and self-confidence is an inside job. You are somebody, and when my friend Hannah got married, she gave a speech about her husband, and it it's something that she said about her husband, which... Um, really reminds me of people like you in right. that she said, I can tether myself to you in any storm and I'll be fine. You are somebody who is so rooted. I can't imagine you ever flap at Fashion Week when you've got 20 oh, seconds. I, I get cr- it's crankiness more than flapping. <laughs> <laughs> but I can imagine you just, well, again, you said you flap, but you just kind of it's all going to be okay. Let's not create a fuss. Let's just get on with it. I think that's the kind of attitude of not getting blown about by life and events. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it's like, 
I mean, I work with a lot of young makeup artists, and at the end, it's only bloody makeup. Well, this is it. Um, you know, I mean, it comes off with a wipe. You know, you can put them all back on. <laughs> um, so, Andrew, have you had a mentor? Yeah, I actually. Um, you, uh, Terry, just talking there. You know, about being kindred with with the young mind. I feel exactly the same. I actually feel more mentored by the younger generation and about. Hang on, how old are you? Well, I'm, well I've, you should never ask a lady your age. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> We've said our ages. You're in a safe place. Well, actually, I just got ID'd as well, so I did find. find... Oh, you didn't. Oh, I you swear to God, I did. Oh, you lucky cow. <laughs> well, actually, she took. The, she asked me to take the the mask down, and then she was like, "Oh no, you're fine." <laughs> I wasn't buying booze, by the way. It's, I know that's only very early. I wasn't buying booze, um, but I wouldn't uh, judge that. <laughs> no, I'm 33. Uh, and but I there's been several people in my life that I've I've been mentored by Ben Fussell and Amy Zing um, Amy Redmond that is being being two people co-founders of Sing the Pink just in general of life um, and about being a better person um, but in terms of gender terminology and the ethos of the queer community um, People like Prince Chio, Margot Marshall. These are all performers, by the way, that I'm um, incredible performers that everyone should follow. Um, obviously, Danny St. James. Um, our good friend Tom Rasmussen is just one of the most incredible, incredible. people I have ever met in my entire life. The, their, their language and um, their care of, of how they speak. And they, have, uh, they do have several books out that people can purchase links in the show uh, notes yeah exactly and um uh there are there are, there's i mean there honestly really is too many people in my in my th- those are people that come spark a conversational piece in my in my head just that have taught me a lot of a lot a lot of things that maybe i hadn't heard of before or hadn't uh maybe understood mm-hmm. before and who are very open and and loving in the way they speak and if someone's listening to this and they are right at the beginning of their journey, they're in a small town and they feel disenfranchised, they feel scared to be themselves, they're not quite sure who they are yet, but mm-hmm. they're frightened to even put one foot in front of the other because of maybe the vibe around them. What would you say to those people? I would say, I mean, me, my personal story is that whenever I first um, told my parents of my, of my sexuality, it was it was not a very this is back in very early two thousands um in Northern Ireland and they did not take it very well at all. And it took a long time, but they couldn't be more loving and more accepting, more open. Listen to what I'm saying and and my friend take care of my friends around me and what pronouns they use. They're such a, an epitome of of the people that that are willing to learn. And such a, uh, I guess the ethos of the story really is that it's all about time and it's, it's about willing, willingness to learn um, and, and being open. Like mm-hmm. As long as your heart's open, then you're willing to receive and accept. It would be so wonderful, wouldn't it, if you said how you felt to the people you loved and they instantly accepted you. Yeah, it's but not always the it's, case. It, it's it really is not. a waiting but, game. Uh, but... I, you know, you have to, you're the most important person in your life and your happiness and your mentality um, 
is 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 key because if you're not being authentic to yourself, no matter what the situation, you're not going to live your life to the fullest. Mm. I would say also, just it's okay to be an outsider. Absolutely. In it's fact, actually better to I, be an outsider. Lo- I loved being an outsider when yeah. I was young. It was very kind of seductive to me. But it's okay to be an outsider. And there are a lot of things at the moment which make it look like it's not good to be an outsider. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have to be an overnight sensation on social media. Oh. You have to have loads of followers. You yeah. have to have likes. Those things are extremely superficial and only last literally for five minutes. Exactly. If you're an outsider, believe me, you will go out into the world and you will meet people exactly like you. Mm-hmm. And you will form the most fabulous family, even if you're all outsiders, you're in it together. Um, and you will enjoy life completely, even from the outside, mm. even if you feel like a bit of an outcast or an outlaw. You know what, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because it sounds, it seems like you might have chosen to be an outsider. Oh, yes. Because you looked yeah. at what the other option was and went, oh, and yeah. you weren't interested. But yeah. there's a difference between electing to be an outsider and being rejected yes. and mm. having to choose at being an outsider because you've been rejected, essentially. Yeah. Mm. The two look the same, but will feel very different. Mm. Yeah. So would you encourage anybody to see that rejection as an opportunity to make the choice, to take ownership of them? Yeah, I, I've always found the rejections just send you on another path. And that path usually works out mm-hmm. or even always make you, for me they always yeah. make you stronger yeah like for me they've always been like okay that's a no well i'll, I'll get a yes don't yeah. you worry i mean you can't go through your whole life just being accepted for everything i mean that just, i don't think that does not work like I that that's good for your mentality or your brain you need you jarring good. sometimes yeah it doesn't make you a good person to always no. get a yes the the people that always get the yeses doesn't turn out so well for them in the end sometimes no that's why I don't really, I'm not a fan of the art, the, the notion of celebrity particularly. Because mm. <laughs> for me, it's based on yeses, and yeah, which to me is slightly kind of sycophantic rather than I picked up honest. on that very early on in my time of knowing you, Terry, when we were at an awards <laughs> ceremony together. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And you narrated... The, the room, which oh, was incredible. Oh, I after, love that. After a few champagnes. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. There was some excellent, I'll tell you one afterwards. The commentary. It's mm, like commentary Eurovision, was... isn't it? Oh, surely everybody does at those events. Everybody does the same thing, muttering, that... un- muttering under their breath. I've never heard anyone do it as well as you did <laughs> okay. it, Terry. I have to be honest. You should sit for an evening and watch TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gogglebox. <laughs> oh, yes, right, we are, we are drawing to the end of our time together, which has been wonderful. I hasten to add, it's always uh, time time well spent so the um note upon which i would like to end is to ask you where are things going in the right direction where are we making the good progress and are there any areas where things might be going a little bit awry and what would your input be on both of those things i think one community that really needs the support right now is the trans community and that is where the as i said before Bills are trying to be passed in Parliament. Things are things are being changed underneath the noses of people without being without the without the uh, nation being told properly. Um, especially uh, black queer bodies, there also are a minority that need uplifting, and you know um, their message being spread and them being shown in spaces and 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 the opportunities being given there for a community that opportunities have not 
uh, been so frequent. Um, I listen I, I, to that point. I read a book a little while ago, and I was doing some uh, research. Uh, on trans rights and the the trans experience. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm nervously worried I'm going to say the wrong thing. In attempting to educate myself, I still might make mistakes. And one of the things that I really noticed was a symmetry between the trans experience and, say, the feminist experience, the female experience. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that I was reading about, about being scared to walk alone at night or being scared to go out for or all things that maybe in the 60s and 70s were what women were saying about just the experience of being a woman. And I wonder if uh, women can be doing more to help the trans community because from the limited resources I've read, there does seem to be an awful lot of parallel. And obviously mm-hmm. women have been doing it a little bit longer yeah well as i said there is a, a uh rihanna and styles book the new girl is a, an incredible book to read um and it tells this, uh, uh, her story and i guess it speaks to a lot of um a lot of the the, the trans community paris lees also a now a contributing editor at british vogue is a trans woman and um writes obviously every month uh, in in the magazine which is available at nearly every supermarket and every store in the nation so that's a, that's one point of contact that is is available to everybody um it's as simple as that isn't it it's, it's as simple, simple as, as somebody who thinks i don't know about it i'm confused and maybe doesn't know where to begin it could be as simple as just reading someone like someone like paris yeah. lee's column every month absolutely yeah i'm confused well then find out more yeah the answer is mm-hmm. simple that's mm-hmm. what you do in anything that you're confused about you work it out you investigate. Rather yeah. than saying, I'm not going to learn about it because it will just go away. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. different to me. <laughs> so therefore I'm going to reject it. Yeah. Yeah. It's about having an open mind. Yeah. Um, uh, your input on the things where we're making great progress? Um, just simply visibility, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of acceptance. I mean, we talk a lot about non-acceptance, but there's a lot of acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, um, LGBTQ people in all walks of life you know, and and visible in all walk well, not all walks of life, but yeah. many. Many. Yeah, yeah. many. <laughs> um, it's come a long way, but we just need to, you know, there's these kind of little cores of unacceptance mm-hmm. who seem to be kind of popping up, mm-hmm. yeah. which we need to be really wary of. You know, the idea that there's more kind of incidents of queer bashing. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, yeah, that that it's on the rise again. It's on the it, rise. It, it's definitely on the rise, and I think that that's something that that needs to be more vigilant of, especially with the police. Yeah, you know what I mean, oh goodness, well, that's a whole yeah, other. That's podcast a whole episode. other podcast. But there is, isn't there? There's a huge amount of progress, and I always talk about the London bubble, and you can't measure the world based no. on the London bubble, and so there's all this progress going at breakneck speed in the bubble in which we might be in in the media, yeah. and then you have to be aware of what's going on. In kind of the towns where you guys grew up. Yeah. Absolutely. If the progress hasn't happened there, then it doesn't matter how far you come in this bubble, it's always going to be dragged back. What's yeah. the, there's a comedian, I forget his name now, but he basically says society can only move as quickly as the slowest participant. Mm. And that's always really stuck yeah. in my mind. It's yeah. like you always have to, as great as it is for everyone in London to talk about how forward thinking we are and everything, yeah. I think you have to think about who might be dragging their feet and why, yeah. and if there's anything you can do to help. Yeah, great. Ask questions, babes. Yeah. 
What a wonderful note on which to end. Terry, thanks for coming back on the oh, show. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always nice to speak to you. And Angie, thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank and you thank so you much. so much for sharing such brilliant insights. It's been a joy. So lovely to meet you. Thank you so much. Listeners, all the links to everything we've discussed and trust and believe I will be making Andrew stay for five minutes and write down all the things that he said so that I can make sure the links, but they will all be in the show notes and I will also tag uh, Terry and Andrew's social media so you can follow them at will. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode you have to answer a couple of questions but we cannot wait to see you there come over and join the conversation thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one 